Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Facebook, those of you watching live, glad to have you here with us. And we believe today will be a, a profitable day. How many of the Bible says godliness is profitable? Now I'm going to read you a story about someone who had a profitable marriage. How many like to know a secret to a profitable marriage? Well, now here's a, here's a couple who've been married more than 60 years. So it says a man and woman have been married more than 60 years and they had shared everything. They had talked about everything, and they kept no secrets from each other, except that the little old woman had a shoebox in the top of her closet that she cautioned her husband never to open, and she said, don't ever ask me about it. For all the years, he had never thought about the box, but one day the little old woman got very sick, and the doctor said she would not recover. And trying to sort out their affairs, the little old man took down the shoebox and took it to his wife's bedside. She agreed it's time that he should know what was in the box. And when he opened it, he found two crochet dolls and a stack of money totaling $25,000. He asked her about the contents. She said, well, dear, when we were married, she said, my grandmother told me the secret of a happy marriage, and that was to never argue. She told me that if I ever got angry with you all, I should just keep quiet and go crochet a doll. Wow. The little old man was so moved that he had to fight back tears. Only two precious dolls were in the box. And she had, been, and, and, uh, she had only been angry with him two times in all those years of living and loving. He almost burst out with happiness. And honey, he said, that explains the doll. But what about all the money? Where did all the money come from? She said, that's all the money I made from selling dolls at $1.50 each. <laughs> <laughs> May not be the best secret, but it is a secret to 60 years. Amen. And uh, you can start an IRA with $25,000, can't you? Hallelujah. Be well on your way. So some of you may want to take up crocheting if you don't know what it is. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. If you got your Bible with you, go with me to Hebrews. Hebrews. I mean, I love the word. Now, here's what, here's what you got to know, and here's what I know that you know, but here's what, what you need to be reminded of. If you're born again, you have the life of God in you, right? You have the gifts of the Spirit available to you, and you have the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit living within you. It's funny how Christians, how many Christians ever said, Don, don't raise your hand, but you know someone who said this, Lord, I just don't, I just don't, I just, I don't have patience. Hmm? You ever heard someone say, I just don't have patience, or I'm short on patience? Well, if you're short on patience, you might be short on salvation. Hmm? Patience is a fruit, the, one of the fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells on the inside of you. And patience is one of those fruit. Of course, it starts off with love, and I believe all the other nine comes out of love. But patience is one of them. So you have patience. Do you not? Amen. We have patience. And the Bible should let patience have its perfect work. Well, here in Hebrews, we're talking about, there's a contrast about covenants here. And that's not, that's not going to be our text for the day, but I just want to start here. And it, it, we'll just dive into Hebrews chapter 10 if we, if we can. And it's talking about Jesus coming into the world. And it's contrasting two covenants, the Mosaic covenant and the covenant that God would make that we're in right now, the covenant of grace. Amen. And we'll start with verse five. It says, wherefore he, talking about Jesus, comes into the world and he said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, 
but a body you have prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Well, you know, under the old covenant, that's, that's how it worked, didn't it? Once a year, they'd come to the priest and they would bring their, their vest, whatever it was, their, their lamb, their goat, their calf, whatever it is. It had to be without spot, had to be without blemish, couldn't be one with a gimpy leg, had to be the very best. And it would be a type and shadow of that which was to come. Well, here it says, and here it says that Jesus knew this, that it was never the will of God to do it that way. He said in verse 6, because in these burnt offerings and these sacrifices that are being made under the old covenant, he said, you took no pleasure in them. Then said I, and of course we're talking about Jesus. He says, but I come in the volume of the book, for it is written to do thy will, O God. Do you know it's still the will of God to do his will? So I said, well, we're under grace. It, uh, it's still the will of God to do the will of God, and the will of God is the grace of God, all right? Grace is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Grace is the power and the ability to do it. Verse 8, above when he says, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin you would not, neither did you take pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, I will come to do your will, O God, and I will take away the first, talking about the first covenant, the one that's been established through the Mosaic law, the offering of the animals for mankind's sin. He said, but I'm going to come and I'm going to, and I'm going to be the sacrifice. And when I do, it'll take away the first covenant that you may establish a second covenant. Amen. By the which we are sanctified. Now, he's making a statement here under the new covenant you are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. The sacrifice of Jesus was the one-time sacrifice needed for all time for all people to be saved, born again, righteous, holy, acceptable unto God in a one-time offering, not an annual thing. Jesus is not coming back to be crucified again, is he? So his sacrifice was one time. Then he goes back in verse 11, and he contrasts the old covenant. He said the way it was working was that every priest would stand ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, but these sacrifices would never take away the sins of the people. Verse 12, but this man, now going into the new covenant, but this man, Jesus, he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, why did he sit down? Because his work's finished. Under the old covenant, the priest never sat down. It was never going to be complete. He daily, sometimes they had daily sacrifices. But he never had a place. Matter of fact, if you went in, uh, to the place into the, uh, where this took place, you, the, the, there wouldn't even be furniture to, for the priest to sit down. He daily stood. He yearly stood. But Jesus, when he had finished offering himself, his body, his blood for us, he sat down because his work is finished. Amen. So Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a complete and it is a finished work. Amen. 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 Verse 13, from henceforth, expecting till his end to be made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering, he hath perfected for them which are sanctified. How many know you've been perfected? Yes. Now you say, well, I'm not, I'm not perfect. Well, we're not talking, you're not perfect in your behavior at all times, are we? But in your spirit, you have been perfected. Hmm? He's taken away the sin nature. Now, verse 15 says, Where of the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he has said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and I'll put them into their minds, and I will write them. In other words, it won't be on tablets of stones. It won't be the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to write my laws on stones. I'm going to write my laws, my will, and I'm going to write it upon their heart. And then it, look at verse 17. 
and, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Wow. Their sins, their shortcomings, their failures, I'm not going to remember them anymore. Now, now your, your, your mother-in-law might. Your brother-in-law might. Your best friend might. But God says, I'm not going to remember your sins. I'm not going to remember your shortcomings. Amen. Look at the power that's in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now, it goes on to say, in verse 18, For where there is remission of these, there is no more offering for sin, no more need for a sacrifice. Jesus is enough. What he did was enough. His sacrifice was enough. Now look here, verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Say boldness. boldness. He tells us to have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and a living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So we have a, we have a high priest uh, over, over us. In Hebrews chapter 4, just go back a few pages. Hebrews the fourth chapter. We'll read some out of chapter 3. And out of chapter 4, Hebrews, uh, I, I said 4, but I meant 3. Hebrews 3, and then we'll go into 4 a little bit. Hebrews 3, verse 15. He says, Today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, how be not all that came out by Egypt, by Moses. With them, talking about the Israelites, God was grieved with his, these people for 40 years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swore that they would not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? Look at verse 19. So we see, now remember, well, let me say this, I'll finish it. So we see that they could not enter in to the rest of God, the promise of God, because of unbelief. Not non-belief, unbelief. There's no one here that has non-belief. Either you believe or you don't believe. Right? Now, here's the people who saw mighty miracles, but yet they still wouldn't believe. And so, uh, the, the, uh, you don't have to put it up on the screen. I'll just read it. But uh, the Amplified says, so we see, that last verse, so we see that they were not able to enter in to rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to, to trust in or rely on God. In other words, they were not, uh, God was not able to persuade them. They, they wouldn't enter into rest. They wouldn't trust in Him. Just think what they saw. The Red Sea. The ten plagues. Water comes gushing out of a rock every day in a desert. To supply two to three million people. Manna falls down from the heaven and they can't believe. Wow. And here's why God said they can't enter into rest and they won't get into the promise. So it ends this way in Amplified. He says, so their unwillingness to adhere to, trust and rely on God, parentheses, it says in Amplified, unbelief has shut them out. Unbelief's a big deal to God. You hear what I'm saying? It's deadly. It's poisonous. So he tells us in Hebrews 4, and we won't go there, I think, but it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said these things that happened to them was written for our sake, for our admonition. So in other words, that we wouldn't follow after them in the same pattern. Let's don't do what they did. Let's learn from them. There's a lot of ways to learn. Right? So here's one way to learn. Read it and believe. But sometimes that's not good enough for people. They said, ah, they'll go try it for themselves. Hmm? I, I was watching uh, 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 the news this week and uh, saw a truck that was going down, went into a ravine, and it said, uh, uh, bridge out under construction. Well, we, we know that there's times that they put the signs up for work that they're going to do, and they say, well, ah. But you know what? The sign was correct. And uh, the truck went to the bridge. He thought it was okay. Down in the ravine he went. Unbelief 
shut him out. <laughs> Took him off the road and uh, caused all kind of problems. He lived, but I mean, he, he was in the hospital. So this thing's written for our admonition. This is written for our example. So we don't have to fall under the same unbelief. In other words, we can have the promise. We can enter into rest. And that's what faith is. Faith is a rest. How do, how do you know that you come to the place that I believe? The number one way that you, got, that you know that, that, that I'm, I'm in faith is I get to a place of rest. Not until I get to the place of the manifestation to where all the symptoms are gone or the problems are gone. It's come to the place that I'm fully persuaded. I know that I know that I know that I know. Huh? Like Abraham, he was fully persuaded without a child. Huh? And look at the odds. A hundred-year-old man and a ninety-year-old woman say, no, we're, we're parents. You know, they thought, you're, you're, you're Looney Tunes. A <laughs> hundred and ninety years old and you're going to have a child? I mean, what are y'all smoking? Really? But you know, the proof's in the pudding. And they had a child. And what, is, and what was the child's name? Isaac. What does Isaac mean? Laughter. Who got the last laugh? God did. And Abraham and, and uh, Sarah got the last laugh. His name was Laughter. God's got a sense of humor, right? He said, y'all laughed at me. Now I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm going to show you the proof of my promise. And I'm going to call him Laughter. Ha, 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 ha. So whatever you're believing, it has to be according to the word of God, Amen. which is the will of God. And you know that you're in faith because you've come to a place of rest. Hmm? So what we have is Luke 8, 11 says the word is, the, is seed. You know, the, 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 uh, the harvest of a tomato is in the seed. The harvest of a peach is in the seed, right? That's just the Genesis principle. That God put the capacity, the, the wherewithal, to reproduce, and he put it in the seed. That's us too. There's no one here, that, there's no one, no, no one on earth that got here without, by, without a seed of sperma, right? That's right. So there was a, a generation there. So in the seed, every tree, every 60-foot oak tree, every 100-foot pine came out of, a, out of a production of a seed. So the seed is the Word of God. Now here's something really basic, but I want you to get it this morning. I know you have faith. I know you believe in faith. I know that faith is one of the fruit of the Spirit. I know that you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I know that you that you know that, that this word was framed by the word of God by faith. I know that you know that we can't please God without faith. I know that you know that the word is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. I know that you know that God watches over his word to perform it. I know that you know that. I know that you know that. So I know that you know of faith. I know that you believe faith. And I know that you know about seed. And I know that you have a Bible with thousands of seeds in it. You say, well, I do believe that. But sometimes people are going without the manifestation. And let me tell you one simple reason why they are. It's because they believe in faith and they believe in seed, but they don't have faith as a seed. In other words, I can have groceries in the pantry and I can have a, 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 a stove and, a, and an oven and a microwave, and I can have all the components that makes a meal. I can have the food, and I can have the wherewithal to cook it, but I don't have a meal because I didn't put the stuff in the pot and cook it. You say, well, I, I know you believe in God. No, I don't believe in God. You don't believe in God either, do you? I don't believe in God. The devil believes in God. The Bible says he believes in God trembles. I believe God. Don't believe in God. Believe God. Jesus said in Mark 11, 20, 23, speaking of the fig tree, when, they, when Peter the next day said, look, Master, that what you cursed has withered away. Remember that? And Jesus said, oh, have, faith in, have faith in God. But other translations says, have faith, uh, have the faith of God. Right? Faith in God 
won't cause the mountain to be moved. I said, say it again. Having faith in God and having faith in faith and having faith in your faith will not cause the symptoms, will not cause the, the, the answer to prayer. But having the faith of God. Hmm? I said having the faith of God. Believing God, not believing in God. You never receive based on what God can do. Man, I, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be awesome if we could receive every day based on what God could do? Right? Is any, the Bible says anything too hard for God? Well, what's the answer? Absolutely not. So we're not, but we're not receiving on the basis of what God can do or if anything's too hard for God. No, but God is watching over his word to perform it. Isaiah 55, he says, you know, your thinking and my thinking is not the same. Hmm? He said, your words and my words are not the same. Your thoughts and the way I think, he said, we don't think alike. Now, I've always said it this way. And I, I, there's a lot of ways to say it. That was not a club that God was in he, that's elite and exclusive that you can't get into it. That is an invitation to come in to think like I think, talk like I talk, act like I act, and you can have the results that I, that I have. He says, because when I send forth my word, the word that comes out of my mouth, it will accomplish that which I send it to do. It'll prosper in the place that I send it to. Amen. Jesus came as a man, had to be anointed by the Holy Ghost to be the example for all mankind because it can come as God. He, now, he was God, but he was man. He had to strip himself of deity, right? You can't represent man as deity. So he had to come as a son of God, as God, but he had to come as man. As a man, he could have sinned. As a man, he was tempted. As a man, he did become tired. As a man, he was hungry from time to time. Hmm? He had the ability to sin. Now, people, now you'll get all kind of arguments about that. But he told us, he told us, that he was the righteousness of God and he came and he took on our sin. Now, not that he sinned, but he took on our sin. He exchanged his righteousness for our sin. So he, he would pay the penalty for it so that we would become what he is and we would be totally righteous, completely, completely righteous, completely righteous. Amen. That we can come boldly, Hebrews 4 said, to the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of great need. Amen. You wouldn't go into the throne of grace if you was unrighteous, would you? Man, you, you want to die in a hurry? Could you imagine just running into the throne of God? Lost as a, a demon? And just run the throne of grace? And say, so here I am. Well, you wouldn't be there long, right? But as, as the righteousness of God... And Jesus made you righteous with his righteousness. Now, these things that you know, but you, but, you, but you have to be stirred up in them. And when you get stirred up in them, it causes boldness. Huh? Because I'm in there by the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus saved me and cleansed me and made me holy and, hold me and made me blameless and made me without fault. You are faultless before God because of Jesus. You said, yeah, but Tuesday I had this. We're not talking about your Tuesday. We're talking about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. That's your standing in the kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, if you just stay in the word, your body and your mind, they'll, they'll catch up. Amen. Hmm? You renew your mind to the word of God, your body will catch up. Yes. Your body's neutral. I've had more people healed through the years who didn't. Uh, matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. It's easier to get people healed who don't know anything. The hardest people to heal are the people who supposedly know more about the power of God than anybody. I'm just quoting Oral Roberts when I say that. His records for all the years, they said, who is the hardest people to heal? He said, Pentecostals. The one who know, who's supposed to know something about the Holy Ghost and the Word. He said, that's the hardest people in the world to get healed. He said, who is the easiest people to get healed? He said, sinners. They said, next. He said, Methodist. He said, next. He said, Baptists and Catholics. He said, but Pentecostal, Assembly of God, and Church of God, folks, is the hardest people in the world, on the face of the earth to get healed. Hmm? Well, maybe God's doing something to teach me something. No, he's not doing something to teach you something. He did something to teach you something. He, he made sure you got this book. Right? He made sure you got this book. 
Well, you would teach your child in an evil manner, would you, that would bring harm to him to teach him anything. You wouldn't let this, you know, not, don't, don't ever go near the road because that's cars. You get out there and the car could hit you and it could kill you. So you just wait one day until a car's come by real slow, 15 mile an hour, and, 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 and throw a little Johnny out there just going to get banged up a little bit. Now, that's what I'm trying to teach you, baby. Because, you know, if, if he'd been going 50, you know, you'd broken and never bone your body. So now come on back and you'll be good in two, three months. And I did that to love you. Quit loving me, Daddy, so much. Hallelujah. Well, that's not how God teaches us. He teaches us with his word. God can't do bad because there's nothing bad in him. He's good and he's good all the time. I said he's good. He's good all the time. So he said, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear. The word fear means believe. Let us therefore believe, lest a promise be left us entered into his rest. Any of you should come seem short of it. Verse 2, For unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them. Now remember, I, I said before in Corinthians that he said, I'm telling you this for your own admonition so that you won't follow them. Hmm? So you won't have to go down the same road they went to, that your carcasses won't fall in the desert as they did, that you can enter into the promise. So he tells us, he says, don't let this promise leave you of entering into his rest. Don't, don't even come short of it. Well, how are we going to do that, Paul? Verse 2. Well, he said, the gospel was preached to them. But the word preached unto them would not profit them. The word is powerful, but it would not profit these people. Why? They had a will. Because they wouldn't mix what they heard with faith. They would not mix what they heard with faith and them that heard it. For we which believe, he says, do enter into rest. And I have sworn in my wrath that they were not, they shall if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So he said the work was finished from the very foundation of the world. We preached them the gospel. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't receive it. They're not coming into the promise. Amen. So you have faith, right? You do have faith. You're born again. You have faith, right? Uh, uh, Romans 12 said we have the measure of faith. Well, we, we all had the same measure. Hmm? Charles Capps didn't get a greater measure. Kenneth Hagin didn't get a greater measure. Billy Graham didn't get a greater measure. Catherine Kuhlman didn't get a greater measure. We all have the same measure of faith in the beginning. Hmm? But after that, it's what you do with your faith. It's how well you exercise your faith. It's how you put your faith to work that determines how well your faith will function for you on your behalf. So I know that you believe. And I know that you have faith because it's in your born again spirit. I know that you know, this church knows, like Luke 8, 11 says, the, the word is, or the seed is the word of God. So I know that you know the word is seed. And I know that you know faith. And I know you have enough un understanding of farming, even if you're not a farmer, that if you're going to plant a cucumber or a tulip, that you're going to need a seed and you're going to need a dirt. And that should not be a mystery to anybody in the room. Is that right? Is that right? But do you have faith as a seed? Remember Jesus' disciples asked Jesus when he, they used to about forgiving someone and what was it? Peter asked him, well, how many times, you know, should you forgive in a day? I guess you're going to say, what about seven? And Jesus said, well, how about 70 times seven in a day? He said, 70 times seven. And he's like, 70 times. Oh, my God. He said, you want me to forgive a guy 490 times the same day for doing the same thing to me? He said, that's about right. I don't know if I'm there yet. But anyway, huh? And what was Peter's response to that? He said, oh, my Lord. He said, increase my what? Increase my faith. In other words, forgive him 490 times. He said, I look at John sometimes, just want to slap him off the boat on the first time. And you want me to forgive him 490 times the same time when he, when he talks to me that way? He said, yeah, sure do. He said, oh, you, you'll have to increase my faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith as a, if you had faith as a seed, if you had faith as a, 
seed, what would you do with it? You would save. So I know you have faith. I know you believe in seed. But do you have faith as a seed? Are you planting your seed or are you just a believer in God and you're a believer in healing and you're a believer in peace and you're a believer in finance or prosperity? Those are all seeds. But are they planted in your spirit? Are they planted in your heart? If they're not, you have zero harvest coming. But you're a believer. You're an unbelieving believer. That's E.W. Kenyon. That's one of his chapters, one of his books, The Unbelieving Believer. He said what he is is a mental assenter. He mentally assents. He reads something. They say something to him. He hears a sermon. He mentally agrees with it. He has knowledge of it here, but it's not here. He mentally walks out the door and he cha he's changed zero. So you have faith. You have the promise. But have you planted the promise into your mouth and into, or into your heart by your mouth? Until you've done that, you have never planted your faith. And until then, you do not have faith as the seed. Hebrews 11, 2 says, God framed this world with his what? With his words. Or God planted the desire with his words. Now, let's get to our message real quick. He said, that wasn't our message? No, that just, that just helped you just be able to get to the message. We got to learn to talk in time. Say it with me. So I'm going to learn how to talk in time and not out of time. See, in the kingdom of God, our language is timeless. How many know we're in the kingdom of God? Hmm? Even on the earth, you're in the kingdom of God, right? So when you talk in time, when you talk in the, in the present, then you're, you're, you're putting the promises of God off to a future date. If, if, you're, if you say, well, I just believe in saying it. I don't want to confess all that stuff. I don't want to confess, you know, that I'm, that I'm well when I feel sick. Bless God, I don't want to lie. I believe in telling like it is. Well, maybe we'll, if we've got time, we'll come to your funeral. I don't know. Hallelujah. Well, how could you lie saying what God says? Hmm? If, if that's the truth, we should forget the whole thing because God started lying in the, on the first page. He got down here and this whole place was dark. And he didn't say it was dark. He said, light. God, that's a lie. It's dark. He knew it was dark. But did he want dark? So what did he say? That's a clue. That's a clue, right? So if you're sick, do you want to be sick? Y'all not sure? If you're sick, do you want to be sick? You don't want to be sick, right? So what should you, what should you call for? Healing or health, right? Anyone like being poor? Well, you say, well, I, I, I wouldn't want to say all my needs are met. And obviously they're not met. Well, the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Huh? Now, let's go a little bit further. So if you talk in time, you get yourself in trouble. If you talk in the present, in the sense of how things are, how the situation looks at that moment. So when you talk in faith, then you put the promises on the right now. When you talk in faith, see, so you'll put the promises on right now. Amen. Now, uh, real quickly, Deuteronomy, don't turn there, but Deuteronomy 33:27 in the ERV translation says, God lives forever. He is your place of safety. His power continues forever. Now, how many know God is called the eternal God? And the eternal God created time, but he doesn't live by it. He created it, but doesn't live by it. People create things all the time they don't live by. In the natural. Some man or woman created training wheels for a toddler. But probably a toddler, I don't, I don't know who created training wheels. I mean, we can find out. I guess we can Google and find out, you know, when was, when was training wheels 
someone came up with the idea to put training wheels on a bike to get a kid started riding the bike. It probably wasn't a toddler who did it, was it? But I guarantee the guy, woman who created it, uh, didn't say, now, now I can ride a bike. Hmm? So God created time for us, for the earth, but he does not live in that time. Does he understand it? Oh, yeah, he understands everything about it. He understands more than we do because he created it. Because he exists outside of time. Our time. I mean, someone says, well, what is heaven? Is heaven going to be central or eastern time? Hmm. How many know that God is not even any older today than he was a million years ago? How many know you are older than you are than you were just than you was? I mean, you got you you got a picture dating back, and you can tell you're older than you was. Oh yeah. Amen. I I I went. I seen a few people I went to school with, and uh, and then some, some of them I don't recognize anymore. I'm like, uh, I was with someone. Uh, I'd better really be careful now. And how, hello, Facebook. How are you? So I was somewhere a while back, and someone said. I said, hey, Eric. And I said, hi. How are you? I said, I'm doing great. How are you? I said, you know who I am, don't you? And I said, uh, I thought, dear, I can't lie. And I said, uh, give me a moment. You know, I, I, I'm thinking, have you been to the church or, you know, whatever? Well, this is something I hadn't saw since I graduated from school. So 19, I graduated in 1980. Don't do the math. I'm 57. So anyway... Till January, then I'll bump up another one. But anyway, here, but, and, and she said, I'm so-and-so. And, and I'm like, wow, does it hurt? <laughs> I mean, I might look the same way, but, but and that's, you know, I hadn't saw them not one time from, you know, from 18 or 17 years old to in their 50s. And, and they're like, whoa, are you okay? And you need to sit down, get your chair or whatever. I mean, are you in pain? Well, God's not any older than he was yesterday or a million years ago. That's what's going to be for you in heaven forever. You're not ever going to get older. Ever. Hallelujah. That's enough reason to go to heaven if you don't, if you don't have another one. Hallelujah. So God is called the God of the eternal. He created time. He has no time. He understands time. And he's no older today than he was a million years ago. So there is no, there is no measure of eternity, is there? How could you measure eternity? God is the God of the eternal, but how do you measure? Can you measure God? You can't measure God because you have, you'd have to have a beginning, you'd have to have an end, and God has no beginning, and He has no end. He is the God of the eternal, so there's no way to measure God. How many know God's love? We have God's love, and God's eternal, then how can you measure love? Now, don't anyone get mad at me. Well, I don't love them anymore. We fell out of love. You mean the flail love, your love, or God love? Because if you can't measure God, you can't measure his love. Hmm? God didn't fall out of love. Now, you might have fell in love with someone, but he didn't fall out of love with you. Hmm? And we've done some things along the way that God could have fell out. But he decided to fall in and stay in. I'm doing better preaching. Y'all doing breathing. I'm telling tell you that. I know that. Hallelujah. <laughs> so when did God originate all this? When is the end of eternity? Well, it's, it's, it's not. It, it, it'll never end. Before time was, God was. Right? Genesis 1 said in the beginning, but that wasn't the beginning. Was it? It wasn't in the beginning there was God. No, there was God. And then the beginning that came out of God. There was not a beginning and then there was a God. There's God and then there was a beginning that came out of God. Yeah, but you said, but when did that God actually begin before that? Yeah, I know, but when before that? Way before that. How, how long before that? Forever. You said, I don't understand that. I know, I don't either. That's why heaven's going to be fun. We're going to get to find out, hopefully, how you've always been. I mean, I, that, that's just like a, no, you can't. You can't have always been. Yeah. Well, I was. Well, no. I mean, I mean, there's nothing on the earth that didn't have a beginning, right? Hmm. I mean, you go to a cemetery, you'll say he or she name, born, this month, this day, this date, 
left the earth this month, this day, this date. God, uh, forever. Till forever. It's amazing. So he's the eternal God. And uh, in Exodus 3, 14, see God introduces himself to Moses and uh, he tells them to go set the people free, remember? And uh, that was quite an experience for Moses. A burning burst that wasn't being consumed. He gets up there and tells him to take off his, his Nikes. He says, because uh, you can't wear Nikes on holy ground. In one of the modern translations, I think. Well, he introduces himself to Moses. And Moses says, well, when I go there, they're going to want to know who you are. They say, he says, what's your name? And he says, my name is I am. I am. Of course, if you watch the old Charles Heston movie, he says, I am that I am. I'm still working on that anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> I am that I am. So he, what he's saying is, I'm not the, I'm not the God he's going to be, and I'm not the God he used to be. I'm the God that's right. Now, when is I am? Right now, right? So last year, you were. Last year, I were, was. Last year, God still is. Next year, God still is. Hmm. Now, Isaiah 57, 15 says it this way. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth the eternity. God inhabiteth eternity, and his name is holy. You know these verses. 2 Peter 3, 8 says that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years to God is one day. Thousand years is one day to God. So when we come down here for a thousand years to live in the millennium, in God's mind, we'll be down here 10 days. But you'll actually live here a little bit longer than Methuselah lived. Amen. Which is what, 969, 965, something like that. So we're, so we're going to live longer than any humans ever lived on the earth when we come back. But to God, well, he says, we're going to go to earth and, uh, and, and for the millennium, and we'll be there 10 days. 10 days. Wow. Someone who dies during the millennium, which is a whole other subject. Scripture says if someone dies at 100 during the millennium, they'll be thought to be nothing but a pure babe. Wow. But now we turn 40, we, you know, we, we got you ready for crutches. Make, make jokes out of it. Lordy, Lordy, Joe Boss 40, get a crane and prop him up. Or something like that. You know, just 40. Hallelujah. you just barely starting to grow a brain at 40. Amen. Amen. I don't know. You know. God knows what all he's doing, but I, he, I wonder why he didn't make it to where you couldn't have children at least until you were that, about that age. So you had any sense at all. Hallelujah. Amen. It just wouldn't work. So God created time as part of creation, but he exists out of that time. Now, Revel, uh, Revelation 13, 8 says, the Lamb of God, Jesus, I want you to listen to this verse. We're going to come back to it. The Lamb of God, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Now, what did I just say? Jesus was slain in the mind of God who there is no time before Jesus was brought into the earth. He'd already been slain. Now, that's, that's living outside of time. Can you see it? Do I need to explain that anymore? Jesus, the Son of God, had never, had never come to the earth Never been born in Jerusalem. Never been in a manger. In, in, the, in the heart and mind of God, in the plan of God, he was already the sacrifice for all mankind and had been slain before God said, let there be light. That is what you call existing outside of time. Isaiah 46, 9, 10 said, God declares the end from the beginning. God goes to the end of a matter, finishes it, completes it, and then comes back and starts it. With your life, you're here for a reason and purpose. God created you. You're not an accident. I don't care if anyone ever told you that. You're not an accident. Your, your parents might have been surprised, or someone might have been surprised, but God was never surprised. 
And he knows exactly why you're here. He knows the exact purpose of your life. And in that, he created everything that you'll ever need, resources and everything, to, to fulfill the plan of God in your life, finished it and completed it. And then when he completed it, he went back and said, start. So he's not working on your behalf along the way. He's already caused that everything that we would ever need, anything that we would ever have uh, need in the way of resources to do the will of God. For me, a building, things in the building, all kind of stuff, resources, people, help to do the call of God, perhaps in my life. All this was before. All this was before I was even born. All this was before you was even born. Hallelujah. So we shouldn't sweat that out. God created Jesus. Well, Jesus always was, but he was the foundation. Before the foundation of the world, he was already determined in the heart and mind of God that Jesus would give his life for us all. Okay? Now, so then he starts. Now, John uh, 8, and I'll go this really quickly, 50, 60, 58, one of my favorite passages, because I, like I like to watch Jesus have fun sometimes. How many know Jesus likes to have fun? Amen. And Jesus told this group of people, he said, your, your, he said, your father Abraham was very happy when he saw my day. <laughs> Can you imagine what, he's, what they're thinking? Here's a guy in his 30s was telling them when Abraham saw me, he was very happy. He says, your father Abraham was very happy when he saw my day when I came. He saw the day and was very happy. The Jews said to Jesus, of course, they said, what? Question mark. How can you say we've seen, you've seen Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. And Jesus answered and, and he says, the fact is, before Abraham was, I am. That's what the scripture said. It doesn't say I was. He said, before Abraham was, now he didn't say Abraham am. Abraham was created. He had a birth date. He had a departure date. He said he was happy to see my day. Before he was, I am. How many know he's still the great I am? In Joshua 6, 2, God told Joshua that he had given him Jericho with the king, the mighty men, into Joshua's hand. Before it was in Joshua's hand in the natural. God had already gave it to him. Remember that, Joshua 6, 2? He says, see the city I've given you? Well, it was occupied. But in, in the God of the eternal, it's already happened. Are y'all with me? Amen. In the realm of the spirit, it was already in Joshua's hands. There's things that it's ruling and reigning that you're ruling and reigning that hasn't even come into your mind or your attention to really reign over you. There's things that you're going to do this year and next year, five years now for here that you never dreamed possible that you would ever do. And you already have the ability, the might and the resources to do it. It's already been built into you. God has prepared you for such a time as this. And all these things will begin to come together. God's gathering up stuff. God is gathering. He has angels gathering up resources right now. Hallelujah. Oh, they're being gathered. Hallelujah. Man, if you could see in the angelic room, you'd be shouting right now. Hallelujah. If you could see, if we could walk outside for just a minute and go down into different parts of the earth, and we could go into some of the major cities in the third world countries, and God just, oh, just peel back the curtain a little while and let you see in the spiritual realm, you'd see two things. You'd see angels and you'd see demons. And you'd see demons getting their rear end kicked. And especially in, in cities where there's people praying and there's light. The more light, the more the, the heart, see, a devil, you know, he asked for assignment. Can I go to a darker region? Because I've got a lot of bruises on me already. Don't send me to that light place no more because that hurts. Hmm? Yeah, that's right. Well, think about it. Uh, demons would come up to Jesus and they said, are you going to torment us before it's our time? He said, uh-huh, sure am. Right? That was their words. Are you here to torment us? Not harass us, not aggravate us, torment us. You know, when you speak the word of God, you're tormenting the devil. When you speak this word, when you speak, not hit him with the two before, that's, that's wrestling with flesh and blood. When you speak the word of the living God, you are tormenting the devil. You are destroying the works of the devil when you just speak the word. 
The centurion said, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Why wasn't he healed? Because there was a spirit of infirmity on that man. He was dying. But Jesus released the word miles away. And when he released the word, bam, just like that, that man got healed. And the demon had to depart. And Jesus wasn't even in the room. Where did bats like to hang out? In caves. Why? They wanted dark. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. So don't tell me that you're, that you're a child of light and you're always talking about the devil. If you're a child of light, you'll get their attention. But you won't have too many of them to harass with because they don't want to be around you too much because there's too much light. For a devil, it's like being in a cave and having to come out in the sunshine. And like, oh, you ever done that? They squint, right? When devils look at you, they, you know, they miss fire most of the time because they're squinting. It takes a while to get their focus back. Coming out of darkness, you got so much light. Boy, I'm doing a lot better preaching y'all. And y'all like, amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is the God of light. You're full of light. Amen. The enemy devil doesn't have anything to do with light. There's no fellowship with light and darkness. There's no concord between the, 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 the devil and God. Amen. Now, in Matthew 15, and, uh, and I'll just give you the headlines, 15, 21 through 28, we, we know about the Syrophoenician woman. And she had a, a daughter that was what? She was vexed with the devil. Here you are with the devil again. The Syrophoenician woman, remember her? Now, she has no covenant with God. She's out of time. She's asking for, something, for Jesus to help her, and she doesn't have a covenant with Jesus to even ask for this. She knows it, and Jesus knows it, and his disciples have already tried to get rid of the woman, and they said, well, you know, what you want to do, chunk her off the pier or something? You know, it just, he said, he, they said, she, she won't leave us alone. And she told Jesus, she said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And, uh, and he said, well, he, healing, belongs, healing is, the, or is the children's bread. It, it, it belongs to the children of Israel, to the Jews. And she's a Syrophoenician woman. She said, well, I know that's the Lord. I know I'm a dog. Jesus called her a dog. They were called dogs. And she said, but even dogs can have crumbs under the table. I'm not asking for a meal. I'm asking for a crumb. She said, my, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, which is really hard on our furniture and drapes. Amen. And, uh, but she said, even, even dogs get a crumb. And that got his attention. Jesus said, Wow. He says, go home. Your daughter is healed. Now, what happened? She didn't qualify for the healing. She didn't qualify for this promise. She didn't even have a covenant. Jesus hadn't even died. He was sent to the lost house of Israel. How did she get in on this? She started talking out of time. She started talking like you've already died, went to the cross, was raised to me, and I'm in on this thing. It's part of my, it's part of my benefits. What got her there? Faith put her over in the right time. She started talking faith now. When am I going to be healed? Right now. When am I going to put up this devil? Today. Hmm? Well, you ain't been to Bible school yet. Well, that, that's not a scripture. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel. Right? He didn't say go 14 years of school. Some people go to school so much they overeducate themselves. They educate themselves beyond their intelligence. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Jesus acknowledged your faith, which is right now, and faith dominated time. Mm. And he gave her the new covenant blessing. He gave her the new covenant blessing when the new covenant blessing didn't even exist in the world, but it already existed in the mind of God because Jesus, God says, well, you know, Jesus said, I, I don't do anything and I don't say anything unless the father says it. And so the father had to say, go ahead and give it to her. Huh? Because actually, Jesus, go ahead and send the word and, and release this devil from her daughter because actually... Actually, you are already slain before the foundation of the world, and she has faith in it. So go ahead and give it to her, because in, in my way of thinking, you've already died and been raised from the dead. Amen. And, and faith tapped her into that. 
I don't know how y'all sitting there like that. Hallelujah. I, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Talking out of time. Amen. You talking about the, the, these movies, Back to the Future and Into the Future? It's like she, she stepped in the car or the booth or whatever, you know, like Michael Fox, they get in the car and like go 100 miles, just 100 years this way and 200 years back that way. She stepped into time and she says, you look fine to me, but you know, they're going to kill you and you're going to be raised from the dead. And when you do this, it belongs to me. She says, but I got some help now. She says, she done tore up three couches. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. Yeah. By stripes, you're healed. Yeah. Glory to God. You was healed before he was born in Judah, uh, born in Bethlehem. Yes. In the mind of God. Right? Can you see that? Before the foundation there, Jesus was slain in the heart and mind of God. So your problem is fixed for you, but no, you had one. The devil picking on me says, You ain't gonna get healed this time. I say, Shut up, fool. You don't know nothing, you stupid fool. My God, I was healed before before even I was. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was healed of this before I even knew what a pass he was. Hallelujah. Got to be able to talk in the right time. So she moved the hand of time from the future to the now, and the daughter was totally healed. Real quickly, and then you remember over John chapter 11, story of Lazarus? I'll read to you really quickly. It says in, in verse 21, Martha said unto Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Well, that's real nice. Hmm? I've had similar to that in hospital rooms where I said, well, if you got here in time. <laughs> so this family loves Jesus. He loves his family. But, you know, of course she's grieving. Of course she's grieving. We understand that. But she says to him, well, if you'd have got here when we asked you to come, he wouldn't be dead. Thanks. Then it says Jesus got his feelings hurt, got offended, and pronounced a curse on her. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't say that. Does Hallelujah. Verse 23, then said Jesus unto her, uh, he said, your brother's going to rise again. Well, she knows a little bit about prophecy, right? Verse 24, she, uh, she, says, she said, I, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the, at the last day. Jesus said unto her, about to blow her gourd off. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he dead, yet shall he live. Martha said, I know my brother shall rise on the last day. See, natural thinking. Of course. Of course she was thinking naturally. But Jesus said, if you'll talk, and if you'll believe and talk in time, that I am now the resurrection, and that I am now the life, he says, you can dominate the time and have the resurrection in life now. Are, are you listening to me? Amen. Pastor John Osteen preached years ago. He said he had a little girl. He found out. He says, uh, he said, he said, back when the church was small, it went to 4,000 of us and we all knew each other. I thought, okay, I don't, I don't understand that. But anyway, he said, we had a little Hispanic girl who come and she learned English. And said so she just got hanging around here in the Word. This is Pastor Osteen and uh, John Osteen. And said, she started learning about who she was and what she had and faith about the power of the tongue. Said so she went in to go get some gas in a place there in Houston. And this, this guy had had a massive heart attack and died. And the paramedics were there and, 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 and they couldn't bring him back. And they were putting a sheet over his head. And she said, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just fell upon her. And Pastor Osteen said, this little girl, about 85, 90 pounds soaking wet, she walked up to the, to, uh, to the, to, to the guy. She, she pulled the sheet off, paramedic, and she said, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he yet the dead, he shall live. And the guy just stood up like this and said, the paramedics went, Phew! and all the people ran. She said, I could have got gas free that day and drove off. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when you go in time and you talk in time, you can go back and reverse time. Yeah, but I've had this damage in my body. Go back before it. Hmm? Yeah. There's one guy asked God for a little help. He said, we're running out of time to fight a battle. I mean, what a request. Would you make the sun stand still for a little bit? <laughs> I, just need, I, I, I just need so many hours. And God said, would I make the sun stand still? And he did it. 
And they fought the battle and won. Hallelujah. Now, I don't think, now, now who did that? Was that all? Elisha? Joshua. Thank you. Do you think Joshua scientifically knew what he was asking God to do? You, you, you can't just stop the sun without a few more things working with it. Right? I mean, you, you, you got the, the whole galaxy and the universe and everything. You know, it's, it's like the gears of your watch. You know, you can't just say this one part. Hmm? You can't just say, would you ask the, well, now I'm going to get myself way in trouble mechanically. But, well, at least back in my day, we had pistons. Don't even we have pistons? We still have pistons? Well, of course we do. I knew that. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know we have that. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So we still have pistons. Well, can you take just the pistons out and say, Lord, let the pistons be still and, that, and, that, and nothing else is affected in the motor? Doesn't, some, doesn't that work with something? Like, like I, that's what I was about to say right there. The compression has to, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Josh didn't have a clue what he's asking God to do. All he's saying is, it's about to get dark. If I had more time, we could finish this thing off. And he says, I just need more light. So he just asked God, would you just stop the sun? God said, I can do that. Scientists still say there's one day missing that they've never been able to come up with. What do you think about that? So let's finish right here. So there's the language in the kingdom. Do you know the language of the kingdom? You have faith and you have seed, but do you have faith as a seed? That we must align ourselves with. That we must align our language and our talk with. It's, It's the time or it's timeless talk. Hmm? When it's timeless talk, you can go ahead or backwards. You can go back into the, in the past or into the future. You can, you can not only forgive what happened to you in the past, but you can forget about it, what happened 20 years ago or to you as a child. And he can remove all the wounds and the scars of what happened. Brother Hagin had a guy in his, in his church years, uh, many years ago, of course. And this guy fell, he was a construction minister, and he fell eight stories to the ground. Broke every bone in his body. No chance of living. Zero chance of living. This guy was the highest tithe in his church. <laughs> and Brother Hagin was teaching on, uh, you know, how to intercede. And how to plead. The blood. And he just, he, just told, he just told the Lord, he said, if I need him, you need him. He said, this guy is tithed right now during depression. He said, it's, it's half of our church's income. And if I need him, you need him. If I need him, you need him. And he said, I totally expect that you'd heal this man completely and totally and heal these bones up. There's not a chance in a million this man's going to live. Did you know the guy lived a full life? And God did a... He, he, he did a miraculous thing to his body and made a sign and wonder out of him. Now, I know his elbows and all his arms are shattered in thousands of pieces. Thousands of pieces. And on, under x-ray, for the rest of his life, and they did journals on this because every year they'd x-ray him. And when they put him under x-ray, he still, his arm and his, his elbow and his wrist and everything showed thousands of pieces, just fragments of bones. But he had, he had, he's in the construction business and he, he could throw shingles over, go up a ladder and go roof a house. And his body is in thousands of pieces and bones under the x-ray. Now, what do you call that? Sign and a wonder. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I said, I don't wonder how that happened. I don't understand that. Thousands of pieces. Put shingles on this thing, shingles on that, go up the ladder. Amen. You say, well, what's the big deal of that? Well, you want us to do it to you? and you'll, you'll, If you don't get the same miracle, you'll know what, what the big deal was. So Mark eleven twenty four 24 says the law of faith. The law of faith believes that we have something that you don't see in the natural. Is that what it says? Yes. Believe that you have what you show what, what you say. Satan wants us to talk in time. He wants you to talk in the natural. He wants you to tell how it feels. He wants you to tell what it looks like. He wants you to tell you what the kids are doing and not doing. He wants you to talk to you about the marriage the way it is today. He wants you to talk in time. Putting off what God has already provided. Putting off 
into the future, way ahead. Put in the date, put it way out there. Say, well, I know God's going to heal me in his time. It is past his time. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. By his stripes you were healed. It was because God that he provided healing through the sacrifice of Jesus. Once again, Hebrews or Revelation 13, 8 says, Jesus was predetermined to be the lamb slain for the world before the world in God's mind. Jesus already paid the price for your healing before we were on the planet and before that you even knew that you needed healing. My gosh, that's good. First Peter 2, 24, God said you were healed before you were even on the planet. Second Corinthians 8, 9 said, God said you were rich before they ever said Congratulations, you got a bouncing baby girl. You were already made rich. Woo! Romans 6, 22, before they pronounced you as a girl, as a boy, you were already delivered and made perfect in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Before the situation ever came, before you was ever born, it was already determined that you were going to be not just a conqueror, but that you were going to be a more than a conqueror. You need to have timeless talk going on in your conversation all the time. Amen. You're not using your faith to change something. It was changed before you ever had the problem. My God, get in the present tense. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, hair he can hear. Amen. Toenails can hear. Ears can hear. Nose can hear. Amen. But what we have to do is we have to keep ourselves built to a place. Yes. Amen. Amen. See, it's hard. it's hard when you get out of these things to try to come back to the ground and take it all over. And people want to confess something for three times and they don't get it, so that stuff don't work. Yeah, it works. It's just you ain't been working it. I, I'm, not, I'm not being this. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to me. Amen. Because it didn't take a long time. But you understand, uh, Charles Capps used to say it this way. You can't build without a foundation. You can't build a three-story building and start on the third story. Or he used to say, actually he used to say, you can't build a third story building on a vacant lot and start on the third story. The progression of Mark chapter 4 said first there'll be a seed, right? And it'll go into the ground, and then there'll be the blade, and then the what? Ear, and then the what? The full corn in the ear. What we're doing is praying and wanting the full corn in the ear. And when he put a seed in the ground. You have faith and you have seed, but do you have faith as a seed? Have you planted it? Have you planted in your human heart so that you can have a blade, so that you can have a stalk, so that you can have corn, so that you can have supper? Hallelujah. Because the meal, the full corn in the ear is just as sure as the seed because the, because the corn is in the seed and the peach is in the seed and the apple's in the seed, but it has to be planted in the heart. Doing better preaching than y'all doing amen. So we ought to just finish it this way. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say what? I'm strong. I'm strong. Let's say it better. Let the weak say what? I'm strong. Let the poor say. I'm let the redeemed of the Lord say. So. And let the good looking say. Well, of course. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, you're so good. You're so good. We love you, adore you. We worship you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you, Father God, for your healing power in this room right now. Healing. Healing's ours. Healing was ours before the foundation of the earth. We take it. We take it. We lay hold to it. And we receive it. We take it as ours. It's ours in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Be blessed until we see you next time. Amen. Oh, and let the king of my heart be the shine.